what you do in a B-movie. The end is a little bit ridiculous. I was unsurprised to see that. And it's sweet! Oh my gosh, you guys need to go watch it. It's so good. It's so good. I want to watch it again. internet travelers and welcome once again to the before and after show as always i'm your co-host mj smith i'm your other co-host ryan buell welcome welcome sir Woohoo! good to be back yeah back in the swing of things mm-hmm. uh, we had a couple odd weeks there but we're back to talk about ghost in the shell for like 10 seconds uh yeah another exciting yeah topics. yep uh but before we get into that uh what have you been watching uh my life has not <laughs> increased in movies but uh, i've been watching i've been con- finished the first season of star trek next generation mm-hmm Really good. Started into the second season. I know it gets better in the third, so I'm just kind of whittling my way through that. Uh, And then just today, uh, I checked out Netflix and saw they had Cool Runnings! Oh, nice. And I watched it in all its Disney weird glory. Man, I love that movie. It's just a feel-good movie. It's really watchable, man. Yeah. From, like, the opening credits to the clearly 90s kind of weird color. Yep, uh, yep. uh, What was that TV show from... uh, Nickelodeon, the kid with a football shaped head. Hey Arnold? Yeah, that kind of a vibe. Yeah. Or Doug, you know, that weird color platform. Um, Great movie. John Candy. Oh, the best. I love John Candy. He went too soon. Yep. What's your favorite John Candy movie? Uncle Buck. Oh, really? Uncle Buck. It's one of the ones I haven't seen. It's so good. My favorite, probably the funniest scene I've ever seen. That makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, It's the beginning of Uncle Buck. Where he gets a call from his brother to come and, you know, the, the beginning, the plot mm-hmm. thing. Um, that's a... Oh, good the God, inciting God. incident. The inciting... Thank you! That! Uh, and he wakes up and just the facial expressions he gives just have me rolling every time. I've seen bits and pieces of it on TV and one of the funniest things... One, one of the scenes that has stuck with me, like... You know how sometimes just weird movie scenes stick with you for your entire life? Yeah. That movie is responsible for one of them, and I, I think it's that movie. The oldest niece has this, like, douchey boyfriend that's always got the toothpick in his mouth, yeah. and he does tricks with it, and it gets stuck in his oh, mouth. It wasn't, when it wasn't the boyfriend, it was a guy hitting on her. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry, we get stuck in his yeah. mouth. Yeah, that's, for some reason, that, like... <laughs> That is a very vivid image yeah. in my brain. And every time I have a toothpick, I do that stupid thing. <laughs> People call me pal. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only thing I remember about that movie. It's good. Macaulay Culkin, yo. Oh, yeah. Young Macaulay Culkin. Yep. Uh, yeah, so that's it. That's it. You <laughs> didn't watch What We Do in the Shadows? No, I need to. Oh, man. So good. You're going to be busy watching Fast and Furious movies. Yeah, so I might, I might, to give me hope, yep. insert that in between all the weird blowing up driving and testosterone filled stuff. <laughs> I'm so excited. We're going to talk about that in a second, actually. Uh, <clears throat> I didn't get a chance to watch too much either. Last week was all over the place for me. Um, but I did get to sit down and watch... 
two-thirds of a documentary on Netflix uh, that I feel like was made specifically for me. Hmm. Uh, it's called Five Came Back. They've been advertising it like crazy. What's uh, that one about? It, so, Five Came Back, and this is why it's based specifically for me. It's uh, cinema history and, like, actual important stuff <laughs> um, coming together. It's based off a book called The Five Came Back, and it's about these five film directors who in World War II, went and documented the uh, <clears throat> the different fronts. Uh, but these are guys you've seen movies of. Uh, it's... Uh, 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 oh, gosh. <clears throat> so it's, uh, it's, so it's, it's, it's these guys who... I mean, it wasn't just like, hey, go make this. It was they went to Hollywood and asked big-name directors, like Oscar-winning directors. These guys have done movies you've heard of. Mm. It was George Stevens who directed... Um, uh, Shane. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and Giant starring uh, James Dean, James Dean's last performance. Uh, John Huston, who uh, directed Treasure of the Sierra Madre and the Maltese Falcon and the African Queen. A bunch of He worked with Humphrey Bogart a lot. Yeah. Um, John Ford, who did Stagecoach and the original 310 to Yuma. And I think he did Red River Valley. Um, uh, oh, gosh. William Wyler, mm -hmm. who did uh, uh, Ben-Hur. Oh, yeah. Uh, who did I say? Big name guys. Yeah. George Stevens, uh, John Ford, John Houston, William Wyler. Oh, and Frank Capra, who did It's a Wonderful Life. Oh. Rather large names. Yeah. So these guys enlisted in the United States military and were sent around the world documenting uh, the different fronts of the war. And so um, this guy wrote a book about it uh, called Five Came Back. I don't remember the author's name. He's written two of my favorite film books. One, Five Came Back, and the other called Pictures at a Revolution, mm. um, which is uh, about the five best picture nominees in 1970 and how um, that represented like a huge cultural shift from the end of the 60s into the 70s. Uh, it's a really good book. Pictures at a Revolution is probably the best book on film you're likely to read, especially in the transition from that kind of like old Hollywood into the mo more uh, postmodern stuff. It's a really good book. Five came back is more straight up history and they made a documentary about it and it's a three hour documentary. It's on Netflix. It's in episodes. So you can watch them an hour at a time and they are, it is very good. It's uh, basically the Sparks Notes version of the book. Mm -hmm. You're obviously going to get much more depth uh, because yeah, they're, the book is incredible. Like the stories that the, they tell, it's just like, what the hell? <laughs> like, yeah. I can't believe this happened. Um, but also the movie is kind of cool because they take five modern filmmakers and each one of those modern filmmakers talks a little bit about each director. Um, so it's Steven Spielberg. Uh, so already this movie is going to be like, it's... <laughs> There you go. Like, I was not going to not watch it. Yeah. Uh, Steven Spielberg, Paul Greengrass, who did the Bourne movies okay. and Green Zone. Um, uh, oh, gosh. Lawrence Kasdan, the screenwriter who wrote Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, and Empire Strikes Back mm -hmm. and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Um, I don't remember the fourth director. And uh, Guillermo del Toro. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, uh, man, Guillermo del Toro is smart. Uh, <laughs> That guy knows his. Guy. That guy knows his cinema history. Like it's crazy the stuff he knows off the top of his head, yeah. and like you believe that guy. Like, yeah. uh, he's that guy loves his movies, and and listening to Spielberg talk is great. Like that guy, obviously, he being a Jewish filmmaker, um, 
he very much knows like he's very close to that and has probably made you know one of the best world war ii movies two of the best world war ii movies ever made in saving private ryan and schindler's list yeah. um so the the movie is uh so the movie is is you know like i said the adaptation of the book and so it takes you kind of through how they got started in the beginning of the war and then kind of what they did in the middle period. And then the third hour, which I haven't seen yet is them documenting D-Day, which is crazy. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's fascinating. Like it's endlessly fascinating to me. And the book, like I said, is even better, but yeah, five came back. It's definitely worth watching on Netflix. Uh, skip the last 15 minutes of the second hour. If uh, you don't think you can handle it. It's, it's not bloody. Like I said, it's not, it's not gory or anything like that, but it's just really haunting. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of close-ups on faces and, and stuff like that and like moving wrapped bodies around but it's still like you're just like oh man those were like people like, that's real that's like that's not movie violence we're gonna cover all this on uh uh the film school for sure because i'm obsessed with it again mm-hmm. um i feel like we're gonna spend like two years on it <laughs> uh but yeah you can check that out and you can check out a bunch of those documentaries um memphis bell is an excellent one isn't there a, a movie they made about that with sean astin uh, the memphis bell yeah uh maybe they were the probably the that's probably the most famous of the movies that came out in world war ii mm-hmm. oh my gosh sean astin has 138 acting credits on imdb never mind <laughs> that's outrageous wow wow dude gets around really he's been in a lot of faith-based movies lately yeah yeah, we're going to take a short break and come back to talk about Ghost in the Shell. Um, I know that was probably the bulk of our episode, but that's because we don't have anything to say about <laughs> Ghost in the Shell. There's a ghost in this shell? Yeah, in this <laughs> shell of a movie. <laughs> we'll be right back. And we're here to talk about our final thoughts on Ghost in the Shell. Um, Ghost in the Shell is the big budget adaptation of the 1995 uh, cyberpunk anime of the same name. It follows a character named Major who was, uh, as far as the audience knows, was in a horrific accident and her brain was pulled from her body and put into a robotic shell. Um, And she works as basically an assassin for hire. Uh, for the government. She's like a government contractor. Hunting down down terrorists. Hunting down terrorists, exactly. And uh, they come up against this sort of cyber terrorism, the likes of which they've never seen before. And she, it's kind of her investigating that and learning maybe that the people she serves can't be trusted as much as she thought. Um, And honestly, kind of basic uh, cyberpunk things. Yeah. Uh, that's like if you've seen since 1995 if you've seen one of these ghost in the shell inspired movies like the matrix uh even to a certain extent looper mm-hmm. um you've kind of seen it all when it comes to ghost in the shell uh at least the film adaptation yeah um so yeah if you basically know how one of these like dystopian cyberpunk future movies goes you know how you know the beats of ghost in the shell from the beginning Mm. Uh, so the, the deck was already stacked against it because 
we've seen so many things borrow from the anime already that watching a straight adaptation, it was going to have a lot of hurdles to overcome in order for it to not be boring or kind of feel like same, same old, same old. Yeah. Uh, Ryan did that work. Uh, no. <laughs> um, I was going to say, uh, similar to that, yeah, like John, John Carter of Mars. Oh. Mm-hmm. Which was the predecessor to all the great fantasy Star Wars, or, you know, Star Wars and all the stuff we love mm-hmm. now. It was the granddaddy of them, but then the movie come out, came out, and I like it a lot, but yeah. it didn't do very well, because, oh, we've we've seen that before. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Ghost of the Shell. It, it had all the right moments, all the classic scenes from the cartoon that I remembered like they stuck in my they stuck in my crawl my brain whatever you want to call it and they had those the the homages they even had at the end of the credits the weird singing that mm-hmm. was at the beginning of the cartoon like they had that stuff there but I just didn't care mm-hmm. like it was the action when the action was there was decent it felt too slow, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like, it didn't feel kinetic. It didn't feel like, yep. okay. Like John Wick, perfect action. You feel it. It's punchy. It's moving forward. This action just felt very slow and just kind of like, oh, so they're shooting at each You know, it's just very yeah. nonchalant. Mm-hmm. Oh, bullets are flying. Okay. Moving on. And uh, I thought Scarlett Johansson did a good job. Uh, given the fact that there's really no emotion from her whatsoever, yeah, I'm assuming that was a choice because she's playing an android, so emotions are you can't really have them, I guess. Yeah, um, but it's just really slow, and it just it, it wasn't horrible. We said this before, you know, talking about this before the podcast, but it wasn't horrible, but it wasn't really that good. So it's kind of this weird lukewarm. The visuals are great. Like some of the like the 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 shots you get kind of the city mm-hmm. and of certain set pieces are really beautiful. Like you can see where they put the money for a lot of this movie, but it just doesn't. There's no emotional core. Like they, you want to care about Major as she's going on this journey of self discovery. What am I? Am I a machine? Am I a human? And then kind of the mystery kind of evolving around that. Um. And but it doesn't. It just doesn't work. Yeah. It's just too slow. And some if, if I had not seen the cartoon before this point and kind of had a general idea of what was going on, mm-hmm. I would be lost as <laughs> Because there's no explanation for what's going on. It's like, yeah. okay, we're here. We've got this information. Like when she hacks into that geisha, and mm-hmm. she's like, I know where he is. And then you just cut to the next scene, and you have no clue where you are. There's no point of reference. There's no, like... There's no hand-holding in this movie. Which for some movies, if it's done well enough, is fine. You can kind of pick up on the visual cues. But it is a movie that's based off a very convoluted Japanese-style storytelling. You need a lot more hand-holding for, like, where am I? What am I doing? What what, what are these characters up to right now? Um, it just... Just didn't work for him. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's a it's a nothing movie. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it just it's nothing. And I know that sounds really harsh, but it just like I didn't feel anything. Mm. I barely remember it, and I saw yeah. it two days ago. Yeah, I I just like it's not a disaster, I guess. 
but I also could not wait for it to be over. I was in the last row of a theater, and so I kept checking my watch, dude. I was like, it's only an hour and 42 minutes, and it felt forever. Yeah. It um, like a very long movie. Yeah, I was like, gosh, can we get to the point? Especially because you can see where it's going from the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the resolution is weird. Yeah, it's, yeah. It does not match up with this internal conflict that she's had. And, you know, she's lying there next to the guy, like, come with me, we don't belong here. And then she just kind of flips, like, no, I, I need to stay. She should have gone with him. Yeah. <laughs> Why did we go on this journey yeah. of self-discovery if you're just like, no, I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> I'm exactly. Stay in this body. I'm totally this other chick, but now I'm gonna stay here. And I need to protect humanity because reasons. Yeah. Yep. Doesn't oh, make any logical it's, sense. There's no energy to any of it at all. Like you no. said, the action's real slow. The action's real boring. It's like she's like the perfect soldier, right? Mm-hmm. She's supposed to be this ultimate fighting machine. Yeah. And I can't remember a scene where she goes up against more than like five people the Mm. scene where she escapes from the robotics facility that was actually not bad she fights like three dudes i was like you was the fastest action it was the fastest action sequence in the movie and she did the coolest stuff she did those like leg slide things yeah but it just felt like so she finds out that the People, the people in charge of the company that created her are not the nicest of people. And then the scientist that created her, it looks like she's going to kill her. She ends up helping her and she escapes. And as she's escaping, she runs down this hallway. There's three dudes. She takes them out and grabs a gun. And you think she's, we're going to catch, we're going to, it's going to kick off this whole big, long action sequence of her escaping from the robotics facility. Cut to them talking about uh, why the doctor lady's going to die. And then he shoots her. And then we cut back to Scarlett Johansson driving away on a motorcycle out of the facility. And it's like, where's all the between? Where's all the between? Like, how'd she fight her way to the parking garage? How'd she get that motorcycle? There's a guy hanging off the motorcycle. She clearly fought that guy for the motorcycle. It just never, it doesn't show or tell us anything. Yeah. It's insane. Um... Man, it's so, it's just so unmotivated and like, she has the partner who gets new eyes, but they never really do anything with that. Like, they never really make it a comment on like, his larger humanity. It's just kind of like, this guy got cool cyber eyes. Yeah. That's it. And their relationship was the most fascinating. It was good. I wanted more of that in the movie and less of whatever weird crap they had. Mm -hmm. Like, I like the dynamic that they had between each other. Mm -hmm. Because... While she's kind of figuring out her her humanity, this guy is just like, I'm loyal to you. You're, you're my friend. I don't know if the vibe is romantic or just mm-hmm. like soldierly bond, like it seemed brothers more like that. Kind of yeah. Thing. Um, but I wanted more of that. And yeah. I like that guy's character. Like he, he, he had some depth. Like even the scene where they walk into the bar, the little kind of side dialogue they had where she's like, you've been here before. He's like, yeah, just get a beer and stuff. This kind of shady place. Yeah. Um, and that action scene was weird, where they had her handcuffed to the pole. Oh, yeah. The whole dancing, and the most cheesy line, I guess, I don't dance. <laughs> just kicks her butts, you're like, Ugh. no, just, you, 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 you can't have emotions anymore. <laughs> Why you have them now? Yeah, it's, 
there's also, like you said, the visuals are cool, but they don't serve the story. There's, like, no visual storytelling in the movie. It's just a bunch of stuff that looks, looks cool. cool. Yeah. And, like, I don't know why half the movie's framed the way it was outside of, I don't know, it looked like that on the cartoon. Like, yeah. that, you can't get away with it. Like, that's not how you make a movie. Yeah. Um, and you can get away with stuff that just looks cool in a cartoon, because it's a cartoon. But, like, you can't do that in a movie... You gotta propel the story using your your like your framing and your blocking and your yeah. everything. And the only scene that I felt like had that, which was a recreation, that's the other thing that bothered me. I've never seen the movie, and the stuff that they lifted wholesale from the anime stuck out like a sore thumb to me. Yeah, like, it was really clear, which seems yeah. like, oh, it's slowing down and it's getting artsy. It yep. Must be from the cartoon. Yep, and even like the beginning when she's becoming the ghost in the show, yeah. it, it's exactly like the intro to the cartoon. Yeah. Um, and the only scene that I felt like was both lifted wholesale from the anime and... Uh, had any sort of visual storytelling was the scene where she was swimming. Mm-hmm. I really liked that scene. That was a cool scene. Because it looked amazing. Yeah. And it told me something about her. Yeah. Like, I felt like I got to know her a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. They, a lot of weird scenes that didn't need to be in there. Yeah. Like, her and the prostitute. Like, they're... <laughs> oh. Uh, with, with that descriptor, it sounds like it gets yeah. bad. But it's really just them sitting on a couch and her yeah. kind of touching this, this young woman and... Basically asking her Touching questions. her on the face. On the face, sorry. <laughs> Let me preface that further. Touching her on the face and basically asking her questions about what does that make you... Basically trying to figure out humanity. Like, yeah. what does this mean to you? Yeah. Which also could have been cool, but it cuts off way too early. Like, yeah. I feel like it should have been a longer conversation between them. Yeah. Uh, there there wasn't enough, as a, a friend of mine, he likes to say, there wasn't enough moments that the, the scenes were allowed to breathe. Yeah. Like, yeah, not enough of those. Yeah, it's a really constricting movie. Like it just feels like it's it's bound together. Yeah. Um, by freaking duct tape and yeah. chewing gum. Like, well, it was trying. It was trying to appease the fanboys mm-hmm. while also being user friendly. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. like a mm-hmm. new person could come in. But like I said. But the problem with doing that is all the user-friendly stuff has been done. It's been done in the Matrix. Like the Matrix is the best adaptation of Ghost in the Shell. Yeah. Um. And then, I didn't want to talk about this, but this damn movie is forcing us to. Before it came out, there were accusations of, like, quote, whitewashing, of, like, taking an originally Asian character and casting Um, a white actress in the role. Yeah. And um, the movie kind of acknowledges it, but doesn't. Oh, because her brain is... Her brain is from an Asian woman? Yeah. And they put it into, like, a white robot? So, the implication there, if you're reading into it, but it requires, like, such an advanced skill into reading into stuff, is that the doctors who... The doctors who put the robots together basically dehumanized the Japanese people they were kidnapping to the point where they didn't even want to represent them in the robots they were making. Yeah. That's interesting. That's an interesting point. That's an interesting area for that to explore, especially because the movie was kind of being accused of that. Yeah. 
But it just doesn't explore it. It just kind of is like, here's this, and never says anything about it, or never even really calls attention to it. The only reason I picked up on it is because I watch movies all the time. Yeah. Like, I was able to put two and two together, but, like, not everyone's going to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, not in, like, a cocky, I'm better at watching movies anyway, but just, like, I just do it more, and so I know, the like, the nuances and flags. Yeah. And, like... And it almost seems more ill-advised to not call attention to it if you're going to acknowledge it. I don't know. It just seems like... It seems like they felt like they needed to atone for something, but then also didn't. But also, like, it was so weird. There were weird choices. Like, the main main boss, who was dope, actually. I liked that guy. So did I. He was interesting. Like, my favorite scene is where he's about to get shot. And he kills the fools. And he says, don't tell your boss. Why did he send a rabbit to kill a fox? Oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. just thought, that's cool. I like this guy. Yeah. Like, he's, he's got... Their character. boss, the one who speaks Japanese the yeah. whole time. Yeah. yeah. He was Which sweet. Which was a weird choice. Like, they're speaking in English, and he just speaks straight up Japanese. Like, why don't they all just speak Japanese? Yeah. Yeah. It seemed like it was set in Japan or yeah. something like that. Why yeah. get all these white people here? Like... There were like there were way too many white people for it to be set in Japan, even though it was pretty clearly set in Japan. Yeah. I was like, what is happening in yeah. this movie? I'm not one to call that like movies on that stuff pretty easy, easily, but this felt like, man, there's a lot of white people in this Japan. Like yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, also, the other Asian guy that was part of the team, was he the guy from The Dark Knight? Yes, okay. he was the money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the counterfeit. I'm very good with that. calculation. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, the, his character was interesting, because he was the only one, if you catch that little quip he has with them when they're going to the briefing room, he's the only one that hasn't had some kind of augmentation. Yeah. And they're all, like, teasing him for it. Yeah. Which, they should have explored that more, mm-hmm. because that was the point of the whole movie. Like, the... They kind of touched on it with this, like, you know, humanity and the dangers of getting too, into cybernetics too much. But it just, I don't know, it's just incoherent. Like, yeah. If there was a point, it got lost because they went, they tried to do too many things at once mm-hmm. instead of sticking with one thing and have it, like, be that silver thread. Yes, I, I agree. Movie. And, like, the climax of the movie is she finds out that. The main villain is a former project, a former ghost in the shell, as it were, that was kind of discarded for scrap because they felt like it didn't take. And it had mostly done that. And he's learned how to become this expert hacker and kind of reveals a bunch of stuff to her about the the people she works for. Mm -hmm. And then she ends up reconciling that in her brain. And uh, before she ends up reconciling that and you know she's faced with the choice of this guy is going to evolve beyond this plane he's going to upload himself to a neural network of sorts and and become a very advanced artificial intelligence completely basically and he Mm -hmm. invites uh the major to join him and she turns away uh which makes the entire plot of the movie completely pointless but before that there is a showdown with something known as the spider tank. And I know it was called the spider tank because the line release the spider tank is actually used in the movie. Uh, Thing about the spider tank. I had no frame of reference for it. They don't show us the spider tank. The spider tank is a non threat until it is a threat. We like when it shows up, it was just like, here's this. They did give you a little bit of a glimpse in it when they first showed up to Haka Industries. Mm-hmm. It's real, it's peripheral, like it's just like a stand on the side. Mm-hmm. But they don't, they did not like call attention. Like this is a thing. Yeah, yeah, they didn't do that. Like it should have been like the murder robot from RoboCop. Yeah, 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I that, what mean. yeah, it should have been that thing. And it was strictly there for fan service. Like, yeah. I could tell it was from the anime because I'm not an idiot, but like, I didn't give a crap about it because I haven't seen it. Yeah. And like, if your movie only exists to please the people who have seen the original source material, you made a bad movie. Yeah. You know, like a movie that's an adaptation has to appeal to the people who don't know the source material. I've never read an Iron Man comic and I love those movies. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I, oh gosh, there aren't sequels to Ghost in the Shell as far as I know. Uh, there are actually. There's okay. two or three and then they had a TV series. And, oh, wow. Um, it went on, it went on for a while and there's a new one that was like a prequel series that kind of leads up to okay. what happens in the movie. But it's, you know, anime fanboys. Yeah. They dig that. Yeah. Uh, There's no franchise potential in this movie. It made $19 million this weekend. But they seem like they're trying to set up for that with the ending of how the movie ended. Like, there's more threats out there for me. I just... It's cybernetic threats? Like, what? What? I don't know. Ghost in the Shell is kind of bad. Yeah. Now that I've talked about it, it's pretty bad. It's just bad. Yeah. I mean, seeing it, it was worthwhile. Well, I wouldn't even say that. It was interesting, but just not... You don't have to rush out and see it no. at all. Maybe rent it. Maybe it if try. you love the source material, yeah, go see it. Uh, don't even go see it. Get Wait till Redbox. Go yeah. see... I, would say, I mean, hell, go see The Boss Baby, honestly. like oh, I, feel like, I feel <laughs> like I would have been more entertained by The Boss Baby. Probably. Uh, I think the recommendation I would give for this is the same I would give for seeing the original Dungeons and Dragons movie. Okay. Give it a shot. Watch it. It's it's terrible. Okay. But it's just to say you've seen it. Yeah. I, I mean, it's a checkmark. It's a checkmark movie, yeah. basically. Of like, saw that. Uh, I'm not going to talk. I'm never going to talk about this movie again. Yeah. Except on tomorrow night I'm recording another podcast where we're going to talk about the movies that came out in March. So I'll talk about it then, and then I'm probably never going to talk about never this movie again. Sometime me and you, I'll, me and you will watch the original, and we'll see if your opinion yeah. is that. Because that one's actually not bad. Yeah. That's, that's I feel like they story. cut out a whole lot of important stuff. They did. Yeah. They cut out, I mean, even though I barely remember it, I just remember the, the cartoon had more, the plot was actually a little bit easier to follow. Yeah, it Oddly just... Enough. It just felt like we skipped huge chunks of the movie. Like, even when she goes to visit her mom, uh, she shows up and this random Asian lady comes out and is like, she's talking to the, she's talking to, to Major and Major's like, I'm looking for, and she's like, yes, yes, come in. And, uh, and so she's like, oh, yes, yes, come in. But like, we don't know who this lady is. Like you eventually put together. Yeah, that's her mom. But we don't see her contact this lady. Like, we don't know why this lady knows that she's expecting the woman with the shiny skin to come and visit her. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make any sense. I don't know, man. Uh, and that was actually, I actually like that scene. The scene's great. Like as a scene, it's a really good scene. It's the most emotional thing that happens in the whole movie. Yeah. Outside of maybe one or two conversations she has with her partner. Yeah. But like, it doesn't like, there's, it's just like this tentacle hanging out in the middle of nowhere. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like this floating Island of a scene that isn't really connected to the larger story, except it like bumps up against it a little bit. I don't know. It's just not, it's bad. It's a bad movie. Very Uh, much so. Yeah. Do you have anything else to say about Ghost in the Shell? No, uh, it's in, in, but yeah, it's, it's not a good movie. Um, 
but I would still say check it out for yourself. Um, but just go in knowing that it's oh, lower those expectations. Lower those expectations, even lower, like even lower than what we had when oh, we, yeah. before we saw it. Um, it's got some cool visuals. It does have a few good scenes, but ultimately, it just kind of falls flat. Yeah, and is very, very forgettable. Yes, incredibly forgettable. Um, yeah, it's a cotton candy movie. It evaporates on the front of your brain as soon as you see it. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, that'll do it this week. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at mjsmith891 on Twitter. Uh, you can find my writing at wordofthenerd.com. That's where I write all my movie news and some movie reviews and some features. I have a feature up right now about why uh, about five actresses who should play Batgirl in the Joss Whedon Batgirl movie. Um this is the first time Ryan's heard about the Joss Whedon Batgirl movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll talk about that off mic. And right. uh, yeah, you should go write that. I'm real proud of that piece. Uh, go leave a comment as to who you think uh, should. And it doesn't have to be from my choices. If you have a better suggestion, go and leave a comment on there. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I had a lot of fun writing that piece. So go check that out. You can find a lot of my reviews at KeithLovesMovies.com. That's Keith, K-E-I-T-H lovesmovies.com uh you can find us on itunes soundcloud stitcher beyond pod if you're an android user you can find us on youtube uh at real perspective on youtube um mike and i are talking about uh anime and cowboy bebop and the why i don't like it and also uh cory has some game space stuff going up this week um, he's back from his vacation, not his vacation. Uh, he's back from working for a month in Florida, pulling like 14 hour days. Hmm. I don't know why I called it a vacation. Sorry, man. <laughs> um, you worked harder than I've ever worked in my life at that thing. Uh, so yeah, uh, Corey's back on board. Um, we'll see you next week for episode 99 of the before and after show podcast. Oh, uh, awesome. Yep. Uh, until next time, go watch five came back. Makana-san. Makana-san. <laughs>